Okay. Is it pessimism or optimism or realism? Like I said just yesterday in a conversation on Twitter that I have nothing against Joseph Wall. I think he's fantastic. I just, after last year when Sammy got hurt, Murray was hurt, and then Wall got hurt. And we're like, so who's playing in net tonight? And we went through... I don't know, a couple University of Toronto guys and fucking who knows who came up. Shalgren was playing like double digit games last year. There was a lot of things that shouldn't have had to happen. And I'm like, just preparing for the worst. I don't love the fact that we are a pulled groin away from Martin Jones playing. And lo and behold, 24 hours later, here we are. So am I pessimistic or am I just being realistic given what happened, as I said, just last season? Welcome back to Leafs Late Night. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Mr. I'm going to call you Galaxy Bean tonight because that's the route we're taking. (laughs) I'm still saying pessimistic. Like, obviously, you hope it's nothing major, but it it did not look good. He was not able to put any weight on that leg coming off the ice. Yeah. It it sucks because, man, I mean, they even gave him the first star, and I'm glad they did because he earned it. He played fantastic. I mean, aside from the one blunder he made with that pass to Timmons where he coughed it up and then made the fantastic save on it. I mean, look, he turned it around really quick. He made up for his mistake. Like that's the kind of thing you need to do is mistakes happen. We're all humans. So it's about how you respond to it. And he responded well, and he was able to hold on for until he went down. So I don't know if it was something in that play. I couldn't really tell or if it was maybe he did it earlier and that made it worse or I don't know. It didn't look that bad. So in the broadcast, um, I think it was Mike Johnson pointed out that after one of his crazy stretch saves, you could see him when the play went the other way, kind of not like leaning heavily, just kind of favoring that leg a little bit. Gotcha. So I don't know if maybe he he kind of tweaked something there and then just went down awkwardly with that when that puck came towards his head and it, it popped it or what it was it's so unfortunate because man he was playing so well tonight i don't know what it is but i i was okay you know what let's just let's start the show i got too much to say now (laughs) you get thinking and oh my god i'm gonna go on a tangent and now your starting lineup roscoe the fanalist subby Beaner and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Oh, so uh, I got to thank you once again for filling in. It's been a busy uh, life for me and for Sevi and for Steph. Um, I am now done work for what seems like the rest of the year. I don't know if we'll have anything else before uh, before January, but it seems like I'm going to be doing this. So uh, we're back whole thing so i apologize for missing a couple episodes there but thank you uh, to marty zilstra and to justin here for filling in um so what i wanted to talk about while i was at work today i um so they actually asked me over the weekend i was just doing a one day shoot thing pick up adding stuff to a movie anyway um so they asked if i wanted to go to a game and i wasn't sure if i was going to be done in time not a game the game tonight in ottawa um, so I wasn't able to say yes in time, but while we were working, I was checking on the tickets on, you know, SeatGeek and StubHub and game time and whatever. 
uh, to see, you know, when it came down to five, six o'clock, like if I could just grab tickets and leave work and go if it was looking like it. Um, I've ended up finishing at seven, so I eh, might have done it if the price was right. But here's the problem. So I watched the ticket prices go down from like 80 or 90 bucks for 300s. Uh, at the beginning of the day down to I think it was 37 bucks like right before the game started so I put two of the $37 tickets into my cart I go to check out 135 something I'm like whoa huh I know it's been a while since I was in school but I know that math off the top of my head does not make any sense uh, so I hit details and on two $37 tickets it was uh, 20 something each in fees and 14 or 15 bucks in taxes. So they ended up being like $62 tickets or something, which isn't bad, but if I'm going to be spending, you know, 150 bucks with, you know, parking and then buying food and stuff, I'm basically spending like 200 bucks to go sit in the nosebleeds. I might as well just watch the game at home at that point. Like it's just, it's frustrating that it's becoming so, annoying to go to games um i mean part of that is that it's all the way out in canada if it was a matter of me taking an uber like a 12 dollar uber over there yeah i would go i would even go like at the first intermission if that was the case because it would literally be like 10 15 minutes for me to get there so whatever <laughs> that was my my evening of maybe going to the game tonight yeah, anymore you can't. You almost can't buy off of like a Ticketmaster or StubHub. Um, TickPick actually isn't horrible. I've got a couple sets of tickets off of them before. Um, I meant to check everything, and I forgot about that one. It wasn't on my my list. Yeah, realistically, I've had a lot of luck on different buy and sell groups on Facebook. Believe it or not, um, for just people either season seat holders who can't make that specific game or or what it is but i've had a lot of luck lately with that we're gonna see how well that goes next year when it comes time to get tickets to a man U game but that's a whole nother year away um, so speaking oh sorry go on no no i, I was just gonna kind of try to segue out of that there no uh speaking of season tickets it was announced that the uh, toronto pwhl sold out their season tickets in two days that is wild. Congratulations and good for them. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I checked the Ottawa ones. There are quite a few Ottawa ones for sale still. Um, here are the prices if you're curious. So here's the TD Place seating chart. This is what they're selling as season tickets. So uh, everything in the 100 level basically is season tickets. Uh, you can see this, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so here's the prices. So for 12 games, for your most expensive ones, 560 bucks. For your cheapest, 204 $17 a game. So there's only 12 games in the season, which is, you know, it's the first season. It's expected. It's a little low, but um, 17 bucks a game is not bad at all. No, definitely not. And if there's not a bunch of fees on top of that, I'm going <laughs> to... Why, why does it do the same thing twice? Well, there definitely will be... A bunch of fees. How do you um, get these through? Because there always is fees. Oh, it's from yeah. You have to buy them through Ticketmaster. Yeah, so I'm I'm potentially I'm trying to figure things out with the family here, but we might try to go to Toronto's first game. It's on New Year's Day, so that'll be kind of fun. Nice. 
Um, yeah, there's a bunch available here for this one. Ticket price 500. Whoa. They're already... How are they already up for five? Okay, whatever. People have already reposted things. I hate Ticketmaster for that. Um, okay, so lots has happened since we were gone. John Klingberg is officially uh, done for the season, undergoing some surgery. Uh, I, the way everybody was talking, like if you heard CJ or Fridge or anybody mentioning his name, it was like they were trying not to say that they knew he was done for the season, but it seemed like everyone on the inside knew he was done for the season. Uh, but that does open up quite a bit of cap space for the Leafs. So the question now is, what do we do with it? Now that wall goes down, that gets a lot more interesting. We'll have to find out if it's anything serious, if they want to bring in some sort of stabilizer there. Like, yes, we have Sammy and Martin Jones, but who? if Martin Jones overperforms and Sammy gets back to form, great. But, you know, you're asking a lot. Dennis Hildeby is rocking a 925 down in the A right now. How old is he? A couple years younger. Actually, wait. He was drafted, what, two, three years ago? He'll be 21-ish, 22, somewhere in there. 22. And (laughs) if they were born in the 2000s, they could not play a net in the NHL yet. (laughs) Why not? Um, because so far it's not worked. I don't know. That's just my, my stickler <laughs> rule. But, uh, I don't know. It seems like we've had these conversations and you kind of convinced me that it takes longer to develop goalies. So, I mean, as well as somebody can play in juniors and, and in, in EA, it's like, it doesn't always translate. So you got to give them time to actually work on their game. And, you know, maybe Hildeby's got it already, but I, again, I just look at what happened with Devin Levi and I worry, so. And Spencer Knight even was sent back down. Like, well, with Knight, there was some other other issues going on there um, in the background. But realistically, I think it, it, if for any chance in hell of the way thing, if for bleh, why can't I talk right now? For the <laughs> Leafs to have the prospects go the way they want them to go, they're going to try to leave Hill to be down in the AHL. I think all season. Um, I think that's why you didn't see him go with the team to Sweden, even though he's Swedish, like as the third goalie, that would have kind of been a nice little, you know, feather in his cap to be there and kind of fun for him. They wanted him to stick with the Marlies. Basically look, we want you to be the starter, get the majority of games, be in a North America, North American setup, starting night in night out and, and go from there and see what you can do. So I think that's probably what they're going to do there. Hopefully Sammy's at least at a point where he can back up. Um, I think as far as a goaltending move, what would make the most sense, I know it's like asking for a lot from the league, but I think they're better off just claiming somebody off waivers that can be a third goalie. I don't see the point in trading for like anybody that's, you know, good. Like I mentioned on Twitter, there was a couple names I thought of like, um, Kakinen on San Jose because they'll pretty much get rid of anything with a pulse at this point. And uh, Minnesota's been underperforming. I know they've gotten a bit of a, a swing in the right direction since firing their coach, but Gustafson's had a really rough start and he's already jumped around a few teams. So 
I don't know. Maybe they're also in cap hell for this year and next. I know it's it's um, kind of a staple of that team, and they're hoping he turns it around. But I don't know. Uh, both teams could be in a position to move on from those guys, and I don't see many others that would be available. And if they are, I'm sure the Oilers are calling about them. So I would be willing to put money on the fact that there is no way in hell that Minnesota is going to be shopping Gustafson. Um, oh no, but I'm not shopping him. But I mean, like, if you everybody has a price, right? Well, yeah, that's like the whole saying, you know, if Gretzky can be traded, anyone can be traded. But exactly. there's uh, there's little to no chance that they would be moving him, especially because, like, what are we going to be giving up for him, right? No, okay. So Cap- more realistically, Kakinen is on the last year of his, his deal at 2.75. Um, he is, what's his NHL career stats? Uh, real quick, he's a, oh, he's an 898. <laughs> through 114 NHL games, but he's played for a shitty wild team and a shitty San Jose team. So I, uh, I don't blame him for that, but my God, um, a couple of rough last two years in San Jose. So, I mean, that's a goalie that's probably better on a better team. I would almost look at like Carolina had, um, Yara Halak on a PTO with them for a little while there when they were dealing with some injuries. I would almost even give him a call. Same thing one-year league man deal you want to come and be our our fourth stringer that's fair here let me check who's a free agent right now that's a goalie <laughs> that's a good question because there's some that there's people sitting around without a job um yeah halak aaron dell brian elliott eh. michael hutchinson probably has a job no barube yeah some of these guys are not gonna play anywhere um mike smith is he still playing I think he's probably on the injured list somewhere. <clears throat> when was the last time he played? Oh, he played 21-22. Three, four years ago? No, he played 21-22 for uh, Edmonton. <laughs> Holy shit. Mike Smith's still around. Um, so anyway, it, it's looking more like they'll bring a defenseman in just because, like, holy shit. I don't think Benoit, Lagason and... Uh, Here's the other one. <laughs> Would have, all thought they'd be playing at the same time for the Leafs. Um, you're thinking of Max Lejoy or Lejoy? Yeah, I, I'm probably saying it wrong. Lejoie. There we go. I, I've liked how Legison and Benoit have looked. Um, I'm not saying that I want those two to be our top pairing defense pair going into the playoffs, but you need to show depth if you want to have any hope. So any hope of going on any kind of a run. Oh, no, I have no problem with depth, but it's like Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, great. Jake McCabe had been pretty good. And then it just, oh, boy, like Timmins, Lejoie, Benoit. Yeah, I know Timmins has been good, but it's like, is this the is this what you want to go to the playoffs? Like half of your your uh, defensive, half your defensemen are just like people that you're hoping pan out, you know, projects for the most part. Like I would call Timmins a project. Yeah, he's he's still kind of borderline prospect slash project territory. So it's just it's not what you love to see. And I mean, even with Geo back, it's it's 40 year old Geo. So I think we heard that Brad wanted to get Tanev and Zadorov, and obviously Zadorov's now gone. What is but it's like Ottawa and the Leafs always make trades with each other. I can't understand why Vancouver and Calgary always make trades with each other. 
like seemingly impactful trades with each other quite often. Very weird. Yeah, for some reason, there's just there's teams that have a, a, a strange level of comfort with making deals with other teams, and it can even span different generations, like different general managers, different coaches, everything. Yeah, because I'm thinking back to like Markstrom. Like, there's been some major trades between those teams. Anyway, um, so Tanev is still in the market. Obviously, um, there's a couple other names that have been floating around. I do not love Tyson Berry's name getting floated around because he's asked for a trade out of Nashville. Um, there's no way. Like, I feel like a broken record. We've I use his name as like the default for projects that are like. Things that didn't work. When we tried to bring in uh, Klingberg, even, I compared it to having Barry, like, you know, another offensive defenseman that's exactly the same as Riley. Like, what are we doing here? This is not what we needed. This is the opposite of what we needed. This is why we need a defenseman, not not another forward back there. So I don't I don't love that. Um, Tony D'Angelo, I've seen around, too. Um, the fact that this team could go from you know, were the the happy-go-lucky Leafs to having Tony D'Angelo and Tyler Bertuzzi is a little strange. <laughs> like, really flipping a switch there. Uh, and he's also not played great and goes back and forth from being on a million-dollar to a five-million-dollar deal because teams oversign him and then, you know, he gets another tryout. So I just, I don't know, long-winded answer. I don't, uh, I don't love a lot of what's out there other than Tanev, and I don't know what we'd have to give up at this point because I was speculating a two defenseman trade. So unless they're giving up, you know, somebody else in there. Well, like, and people were criticizing trail living for the fact that Vancouver made that trade or Vancouver was able to make that trade. Sorry. But like the whole scenario, take away the fact that there's rumors that Calgary's owner is refusing to allow Conroy to do a deal with Brad. Um, hey, I don't so doubt there's, there's something there. There's that there. potential. But Vancouver didn't ask for any retention. Like, exactly. that is such a massive point, like a massive sticking point for so many deals in the NHL right now. So if you can complete a trade and even offer a, a trade proposal without that, I think it's going to go so much farther and make whatever assets you're trying to give up that much more valuable. So everyone was saying it was going to be a first and a prospect or whatever from the Leafs, whereas it it wasn't. Yeah. And I think uh, with the economy, the way it is, the billionaires don't like uh, the way, you know, the reason they're billionaires is because they're good with their money, right? They don't want to pay guys that aren't playing for their team the same way they don't want to pay coaches that aren't coaching for them. So I think there's a bit of like a owners starting to tighten up on GMs about salary retention. If it's unnecessary, like if you're in a position where you're trying to get rid of a contract, like Eric Carlson, I, it's a completely different story. But if you're just trying to move a guy and a team's like, we'll take him, but you got to keep half because we have no cap space. It's like, well, kick rocks then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and like, I get it. Tanev is the probably the type of defenseman that we want to go after right now. Um, I think they would love to try to get that right and lefty set up as best they can. But with his age, with what it might take to get him, like I'd almost be more 
more interested in, in, you know, you might have to give up a little extra, but trying to get someone who would maybe fit in with that age group of the team a little better. So it was not just a one and done rental. Well, and they're talking about Toronto being able to re-sign Tanev because like he's from Toronto and everything and he'd be interested in sticking around. And like you said, with his age, like, I don't know if I want to get another Brody or another geo where it's like, we're looking at this contract at the, a couple years into it. And it's like, Oh wow, we're paying a lot for a guy who's kind of a second pair D now, or sometimes third and kind of underperforming and getting old. Like I just, I don't want to be in that position again. I, I love Brody, but you know, it's, I think this is the first year we're starting to see the, uh, the decline a little bit and it isn't a big, big price tag on him, you know, uh, percentage of the cap wise. Um, transition percentage of the cap. Speaking of, we got a little uh, info from the Board of Governors meeting. Gary Bettman has announced that the uh, cap is going up uh, just over $4 million next year. I think it was 4.2. Uh, so that's nice because we heard some last-minute scramble rumors that, uh, you know, maybe with the economy being shit that they were going to keep it low again. But they said that everything's paid off escrow-wise, so uh, cap's going to go up. But um, it might not jump by the whatever it was six to ten million next year or the year after like everyone thought i think because of the economy it might stick around at four or three or something for the next couple of years but we'll see that is where we are well if i remember correctly when they had to redo everything during the covid like the bubble and everything like that i think they put in a a claim there that unless the nhlpa and the nhl agree upon it the maximum it can go up is five percent which is this four point whatever they announced um so with the the hrr from the last like from last year for sure this year and probably next year it's still probably slated. like if you did the math it would probably be slated to go up six or seven mil this year so there might be a potential for the players to petition to get a little more um because that is possible but who knows what the the league would ask for the players to give up to get that right yeah and like i'm thinking hockey related revenue wise uh, a lot of the broadcast is kind of going to shit right now as far as bali sports being no longer um some teams like i think it's colorado's doing theirs themselves um a couple teams are doing their own streaming the games putting them out on antenna or whatever it is um it's a little weird right now so i don't know um I don't know what the HRR is going to look like. And we've also seen like teams kind of getting rid of um, their helmet ads and jersey ads and stuff like not every team has one all the time. So it's not I don't know. It seems like we're not doing creative things to make money anymore because uh, the main reasons aren't working. I don't know. I don't know well, what I'm talking about. Re- like if I was an owner and I'm looking at TikTok or something stupid like that on my helmet or my jersey and okay i'm getting that extra money and yeah that's great but if it's not allowing me to improve my team then what the hell is it even there for right yeah like well that's what i mean about like if we're not gonna push that on teams like you all have to do this because we need the money find like what's the new what's what else are we doing because we're cheaping out on jerseys going with fanatics like there's a lot of things that are going in weird directions here like what what have you done for the fans gary (laughs) What do you, what do you what bone are you throwing us here? Because uh, 
we got to pay for your league, buddy, and uh, give us something to invest in because tickets alone are uh, are not accessible for everybody. So make oh, it watchable, not. make it you know investable for people. It's not right now, anyway. Um, also, at the Board of Governors meeting, it uh, seems that the Olympics are up in the air because uh, the arena is not built yet. And apparently now not having an arena affects the NHL playing games or not. But doesn't matter for the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, it's only been, what, 10, 15 years? Yeah, it's crazy. So Batman's like, well, you know, the uh, stadium in Milan's not built yet. It's like. Of course it's not. It's not fucking Olympic gear yet. Like, slow down there, bucko. Like you're you talking expect... about a problem that doesn't exist. You're saying how <laughs> optimistic you are about having the Coyotes start and have a like start from ground zero and have the whole vote and investment and everything go through to have something built in the exact same amount of time. So what are you even talking about? Just say you don't want to go to the Olympics. It's so fucking annoying. <laughs> so frustrating. Um, oh, speaking of uh, Connor McDavid, because he's obviously the one who wants to go, um, was inducted into onto the Canada Walk of Fame before Sidney Crosby. Um, why? He, aside from getting a bunch of regular season points, he hasn't really accomplished anything. Is it because Crosby plays for an American team? Like, is that the sticking point? It shouldn't be. But Canada's, as far as like the Canadian Heritage Committee goes, like if we're talking CanCon, you know, if Drake goes and records an album in LA written by an American person... <laughs> and produced by Americans, even though he's Canadian, that's only one of four. So it is not CanCon. So are we treating Crosby playing on an American team the same fucking way? And he's not allowed to be on the walk of fame because all of these achievements are with an American team in America. Like, I'm just saying it's so on brand for Canada to be like, it doesn't count because. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're only playing in a league that, is trying everything and anything they can to get rid of Canadian franchises. And yeah, I don't know. That's a weird one. Right. I've found that so strange, but no, that can't be why that is. So, so Bobby Orr is on there played his entire career for Boston, Chicago, two American teams. Messier's on there, but he played for the Oilers. Lemieux's on there. He played for his entire career for the Penguins. Steve Nash is on there. He never played for the Raptors. Okay. Nice. Hockey. Um, boom, 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 boom. Sean Beliveau, Scotty Bowman, Johnny Bauer, Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe. Mario Lemieux, Bobby Orr, Maurice Richard, Daryl Sittler, Haley Wickenheiser. So Crosby is not on there. That is so weird. Yeah, here. Uh, McDavid joins a long list of... Yeah, 
So he gets on the, the Walk of Fame before Crosby, who has won Stanley Cups and is nearing the end of his career. And Olympic gold. Yeah. And McDavid has never represented Canada on the grand stage. Like, I don't understand. I do not understand this. Unless, like, Crosby's pretty notorious for not wanting the limelight. Maybe he wouldn't go to a ceremony or something. That's the only I other mean, thing I could think of. Not going to the ceremony is different than not being invited. Like, well, yeah, but if maybe he he doesn't want to, like, I'm just I'm literally grasping at straws here. And and he said, okay, well, you know, I'm, I don't want to go to it. That's the whole thing with like Yager's jersey number retirement for Pittsburgh. What he just doesn't want to for the longest time. Yeah, he he didn't want anything to do with. I don't know if it was he didn't want anything to do with the team or the team didn't want anything to do with him. But now it's happening, I think, in February, January of this year. Got it. I don't know. I just feel like if we're, you know, nothing against McDavid, but like we'll see when you're 36, 37, what your accolades are like. But right now it seems, and it's, it's especially like during his worst season of his career. <laughs> like, oh, God. Um, do you know who the leading goal scorer on the Edmonton Oilers is right now? Uh, he's a children's book author, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and he used to play for the Leafs, I think. Zach Hyman has more goals than Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Yeah. I'd, well, everybody can go through slumps. For the longest time, McDavid didn't look like he was fully healthy. Which it is a big factor. I don't know what's going on with Leon. He has not looked himself this year. So that's a completely different animal. But Hyman almost has as many goals as Connor and Leon combined. He's got 15 and they have 18 combined. 10 for Leon and 8 for Connor. Obviously, they've got a shit ton of assists. Um, 24 for McDavid and 19 for Drysaddle. But uh, yeah, they've been setting up Zach Hyman, which is weird <laughs> shouldn't it be the other way around oh it, it definitely should be and then you also have the fact that like there were some warning signs last year they weren't getting like anything at five on five it was all power play oh yeah their power play was running at a historic number so yeah okay that's great but if you're not getting anything five on five you're just delaying the inevitable right no it's true um i just i struggle to see what the Oilers do to fix this because like it's not like they have any cap space to play around here that nobody's they're in the same position as the Leafs no one's going to help them out and they just got to figure it out like they got to the stars got to get back on track and um that's kind of we should go back to the Leafs on that um Matthews like Marner was fantastic on that breakaway but I mean overall the last few games Matthews and Marner have been uh, not really, I mean, like we've been saying, Matthews has, uh, what is it, 12 or no, 16 goals now, but nine of those are on hat tricks. So, I mean, it's, he's been very hot and cold and it's, it's unlike them to kind of be cold this long at the same time. Uh, we're into December now and it's not worrying. Like if, if they're just going to kind of take it easier through the regular season after after the last two years of it not mattering, uh, I get it. But 
if it's anything else, um, I don't know. I just worry if it's whether it's them giving up on Keefe or they're unmotivated for whatever reason or they're hurt or not finding. I don't know. I'm just it. It makes me worry. There's there could be an easy explanation for it, but Willie can't carry y'all forever. Well, they're still like they're 30th and 31st in the league in points. It's not like they're like that's still in the quote unquote top player on each team category, are they right? 30th and teams. 31st highest paid in the league or are they in the top five highest paid in the league? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're definitely making more than what? 98% of the league or whatever it oh, is. So they're, so they're top five highest paid in the league. So they shouldn't be 50th or 30th and 31st in scoring. Season's also not over. No, I'm just saying that we're it, it's not a week and a half into the season either. We're into December now. This is, uh, to be fair, this is kind of the American Thanksgiving um, point if the season has now pushed its start date. So it's, it's w- worth noting that they are not performing where they should be. Like, you expect them to just be, like, a given every night that, like we see from McDavid where, you know, he dances through people on a good night and scores. And like what Willie's been doing the, the majority of this year is kind of what you are paying these guys to do. Like if they, I, I wouldn't care if they were making eight and $9 million, but they're not. But they're also doing more than just scoring. Like aside from his slump that Marner had, cause Marner was going through a lot of rough play there. Like the two way game is still there for both of them. Marner plays a ton of penalty kill time. Matthews has been an incredible 200-foot player almost his entire career. Like, I get it. Yeah. They're paid because they're supposed to be the high, high-end scoring players. But, like, look at McDavid. McDavid doesn't play that style. So when he was slumping, what are you paying him $12 million a year for? Like, if you if you want to break it down that into that microcosm of a, of, a, of a viewpoint... And I'm not trying to rip on you here. I'm just saying like, no, it's fair. It, it, it you, what, what was one of the digs on Kessel when Kessel was here? He well, all he does, he is would, get, all he does is get points. He doesn't back check. Yeah. He doesn't hop well, off the, onto the bench, but, but it's not like they're winning games for nothing. They're barely yeah, it, winning by a goal and they're going to overtime 80% of the time. Like they're not exactly like if they were playing like, you know, the LA Kings of a couple years ago where you cannot score on them or like the Islanders where it's like everything is held to a goal. Like if that was it, but they were scoring, that's cool. Like, you know, stop them from scoring, but it hasn't looked that way. Like wall has been keeping them in a lot of these games, like more so than he should be. And what the hell, this is what I wanted to say at the beginning of the show. I totally forgot. I've been to a couple games in Ottawa here, like Leaf games. Why is it every time Toronto comes to town, the Sens get 40-plus shots every single time? And I looked at their their season average. Like, they're only one spot above the Leafs at, like, 32 shots a game or something. But every single time I go to a Leafs and Sens game in Ottawa, the Sens just fire shots like crazy. I don't know. Well, it, it probably has to do with the fact that there's more Leaf fans there than Sens fans and the players get all pissed off because that's their arena and everybody cares more about the opposition. That's Realistically, that's, prob- <laughs> that's really probably what it is. Screw you guys. You're not going to cheer for us. We're going to get more shots. Like, And this then your range game. The, the way you were talking about with the Marner and Matthews for points and that, yes, okay, they're not top 
five in the league or whatever for points. But even with them struggling or quote unquote struggling, even with the team not playing the greatest defensively, being down what three, yeah, three of our defensemen from starting night and being down, well, now two goalies, but one goalie for a good chunk of the season, we're still in a playoff spot. For right? now, yeah. Like the at this point, the Oilers are seven points out of the final wildcard spot. Yeah, they're. I don't want to say. Okay, here's the the tough thing because you can say it's luck or you can say it's it's um, being clutch and you know playing when it matters. But it's these overtime and shootout games that make me nervous. Like if the Leafs weren't second last in the league with regulation wins, and I know this, everyone's been talking about this, but like it is worth mentioning that they're barely winning these games. Like pulling the goalie since the very first game of the season, they've been pulling the goalie and coming from behind. They've been winning in overtime and winning in shootouts. Great. You get the two points. You're also giving up a point a lot of the time. And that can be when you're playing division rivals, that's a pain in the ass. I mean, look at last year, Calgary made it into the playoffs because they had 16 overtime losses or 14 or something crazy like that. So these one point, it matters. So it's just, it's not the way that you want to win games. Like giving up points and constantly overworking your players and putting them in positions of stress. Like it's, it's just doing things the hard way. And that's not sustainable. It definitely is doing things the hard way. And like, I'm not trying to completely turn face here because I mentioned two or three episodes ago, I am kind of like concerned at the fact that we can't seem to win in regulation. But at the same time, if you look at it from look at it from the perspective of every mainstream media hockey analyst, the last basically since Matthews has been on the Leafs. Oh, if the Leafs put up a whole whack of goals and won seven five or something like that, well, that's not playoff hockey. Playoff hockey's one two. You know, you win games two one and 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 three two. If you're winning an overtime or a shootout, that's a one goal game. Like I, 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 I no, get no, no. It, it's it's definitely but... a good point. Like because when it comes down to it, what you need to be able to do come playoff time is win in tough situations and outwork the other team when it matters. Uh, and they haven't been good at that. So if I don't, it's it's not like they're purposely putting themselves in these situations. But if they're getting better at those situations by playing all these tough games um, one way or another. Sure, it'll help come playoff time. I just, it's not like you can put yourself down and come back on purpose. You know, it's like, it sounds nice that like, oh, they're playing this style because that's playoff hockey. But like, it's not like they're, they're going to shootouts against Montreal on purpose, you know? Well, they're also down three defensemen and now two goalies. Yeah, and they were last year, too, and they were far better, you know? Like, we were down goalies all season. We were down defensemen all season. We had, like, 15 fucking defensemen play last year, or 18 or something, and the regular season record. I mean, yeah, they started off about the same pretty shit, but it's, I don't know. It's just, I know the team we built this year, bringing in Bertuzzi and Domi and Reeves and Klingberg, everyone said, like, it's going to be, 
a grittier team and not as high scoring that may just be what we're seeing now is like they're they're not winning the same way but it's still a team that's built for later so hopefully also max domi finally finally getting out there yeah the relief coming off out of him after he scored that goal like just crazy and on the the grit comment i've seen more grit this year in matthew nyes and max domi than i have with bertuzzi and reeves that's so true like robertson reeves you know he had the couple fights to start the year and then he's done nothing like i hate ripping on the guy but oh yeah I guess I, I less meant the players themselves and more like the makeup of the team being different. But yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty disappointing. Um, half of the guys we brought in on that list are already kind of down for the count. Like Reeves barely plays a couple minutes a night and Klingberg's now done for the season. So Realistically, uh, in my opinion, Reeves shouldn't play again. But No, um, and that leaves only Domi and uh, who else that he brought in. Bertuzzi. Right, obviously. Well, I mean, if those two pan out, great. <laughs> those are the one, the important ones. Uh, mind you, Klingberg was pretty important. But uh, Okay, there was... Um, do we have time for it? Yeah, so I haven't been on since the whole thing with Corey Perry happened and uh, blew up, and I wanted to touch on it quick. I know it's been a while, but... Um, Obviously, uh, some crazy shit went around in the 48 hours before uh, Chicago made a statement. And um, there's been a lot of reactions to how it was handled um, on both sides, how the the Chicago Blackhawks handled it and how social media handled it. And I just want to say a lot of people have been turning back and, you know, saying how wrong it was of people to give any life to this rumor. the the Blackhawks obviously are in a position where they have to do everything right because they have lost all faith from all hockey fans after what happened. Um, so they had to handle this with like absolute precision and they didn't really like the way in which information came out. Like obviously they can't say a lot, but the things that they did say clearly all could have been said at the same time. But instead, it was suspicious. He's pulled from practice. Uh, contracts being terminated. No comment. Um, then there's this weird statement that comes out saying that he violated pro, uh, part of the um, conduct of the contract. And that came out amidst all these rumors that I'm not going to bring up again. But it came out amidst this one rumor, which basically, in the context of what was going around on the Internet, all but said fill in the blanks like if you want to because we're not saying anything against that we're basically saying we can't say but it's along those lines like that was their mistake was letting like you have to understand how the internet works where if you have something and like if you're going to put out that statement it has to include the fact that it has nothing to do with a rumor that is going around involving families or whatever. The fact that they left that part out and just said he violated the like morality clause of the contract. Like it basically fit the description of what people were saying. 
And then it was a whole other day before Kyle Davidson gets in front of a camera. So for anybody, and I'm looking at a specific podcast, to go on a tirade, ripping on people and saying they're children, the problem isn't, like, I, 1,000%, this is not at all fair to the family of Connor Bedard that this happened. Um, it is the internet, and the internet runs with with whatever you give it. It's like that's been since the beginning of the fucking www.dawnoftime.com and you have to handle things properly to make sure that things like this don't happen and like like i said they had to do this perfectly and they fumbled this so they can't like people shouldn't turn around and call people children for uh for basically piecing together the puzzle that Chicago left out as a little crumb trail of information when all they had to do was come out and say, Hey, that's not what's going on. We can't say what's going on. We are terminating his contract. We will have no other comment. Instead, they spent three days trickling information out and letting people run with it and then saying, Oh, this is so awful that this happened. Like this is their star player and they failed him. Honestly, the way the whole thing was handled basically seemed like siblings heard their mom or dad yell from downstairs to get downstairs because something happened and they needed as much time as they could to talk amongst themselves to figure out the best way to get in as least trouble as they can. Like that's essentially how they handled it was, Oh oh shit. How, how, how can we spin this that we're not the bad guys here? Like, yeah, and they should have the best and most expensive PR firm on the Eastern Seaboard. Like, they should... It's the fucking Wirtz family. It's an original six team. They should be, have the most expensive PR firm on retainer to to be like, hey, guys, this is going on. Handle this. Like, what what are we doing here? You, you make up the plan. This should not be handled internally because what came out with the Kyle Beach thing was the Blackhawks couldn't even follow their own internal protocol. Like they failed to follow what was written in their own code of conduct. So how now are we supposed to believe that any of this was followed to protocol? Like it's not fair to Corey Perry. It's not fair to Connor Bedard and his family. Like this was at, at, yes, the internet ran with shit. I, I think it's, it's I, the people that were saying, um, they were first reporting it, saying that this happened and is saying it's true. That I think is is um, way over the line. Uh, people making the memes about it and stuff is a lot. But like everybody at work that I was talking to who doesn't even follow hockey had heard about this within four hours of it hitting the internet. And it, people were like, uh, I mean, people that are like casual hockey fans were like, I'd believe it. Because it's just, it's not so outrageous that it's unbelievable, but it's outrageous enough that it gets people talking. It's in that perfect little pocket where it could happen. It could have happened. So everybody just starts talking and jokes start running. So it's honestly like the Blackhawks just fucked this so bad. And I, I don't need to know. Nobody needs to know what happened. Um, but I just, for Corey Perry's sake, like I... The other side of this is like if it's an he did say, obviously, it's like something dealing with alcohol abuse, like terminating his contract instead of putting him into like player assistance program. Don't love that either. Like, I don't know what happened there, but this is the he, other thing. If we don't have the information, so we don't know. He also might not like accept being in something like that. 
Like That's as fair. much as a statement says that he wants help, right? Like it, it it's such a weird scenario and I don't want to throw any more shade at Perry because we've done that enough with stuff in the past because that I just generally don't like the guy, but you don't ever want to wish ill on anybody. But what keeps getting missed is whatever he did had to be bad. And whoever was affected by it, like, hopefully they're okay. Whether yeah, it was see, verbally, whether it was physically, whatever the hell it was, like, you don't want, you're supposed to be able to do your job in your workplace without being harassed in any way, shape, or form. And exactly. that is something I don't think I've heard anybody say. Like, we're probably never going to find out who it is, and, and rightfully so. They deserve their privacy too. But, like, hopefully it isn't going to be too scarring for them. I, like, I don't know what, how else to say it. Right. No. And that's, uh, that's a really good point to make. Um, all we've heard is that it wasn't a police matter. So the fact like, it's just the information we have raises more questions than gives us answers. And I think that's the problem with it. And that's why if there's, any story that seems concrete, people will go, oh, that must be what it is. Because if it's not coming out, something came out and that must be what it is because everyone's trying to keep it under wraps. So it's it's unfortunate for everybody involved that the information can't and shouldn't come out because this is the result in this day and age. So it's kind of a lose-lose scenario, but it could have been mediated or could have been softened. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. The Blackhawks could have made the situation a lot better, and they fumbled this. So I don't feel bad for Kyle Davidson, who was like fake, not fake crying, but like the breaking on the mic. It was like, come on, dude. Like, I don't feel bad for you when this is your ship. Like, you need to, like, you need to make this not happen. So you being emotional now doesn't really mean that much. Okay. Let's uh, not talk about the Blackhawks <laughs> piece of shit anymore. Um, was that gold not offside, the first one? I, I know Keith and their video crew, they've got a pretty good record, and you could see very quickly that they were they were getting the call from upstairs that no, no, like it's it's good. So it it did look really close, but it could have even been one of those they called it good on the ice, and I don't think we have a good enough angle to call it off type things. Cause what I saw was he hit this, the puck out of the air as he was crossing the line. So like he was, his feet are over the line and he kind of like turns back to hit the puck down to the ice. And in that one hit, the puck starts rolling and he turns around to get it onto his stick from what we've been told. That's not having control of the puck. Like we saw Kale McCarr cross the line with it in his skates and it was called, oh, you don't have control of it. Okay, well, he kind of fucking does. Or when McDavid was like crossing it over from one side to the other and they're like, oh, that doesn't count as having control. It's like it's Connor McDavid. He knows exactly where the fuck the puck is and no one's taking it from him. It's in his face. So the <laughs> fact that this is called having control when those aren't, that was what I have a problem with. It's like you're telling me what to expect and then you just throw it out the window one day and I go, okay, am I, am I stupid or am I just mad? Like, I don't know what's going on. You just apparently 
haven't been around the NHL long enough and, and aren't accustomed to the, the way offsides and goals are called. Well, I just, I have a problem with inconsistency. That's all. Like if you show me something eight times and then the ninth time go, but not this time and you go, why? Because I'm like, no, but, but, but the, the five-year-old in me goes, no, but why? Realistically, there shouldn't be this issue anymore with with the tracking data that they have there is no way in hell you can tell me that they don't have the precise second that that puck crossed the line and that That's... that player crossed the line it not only for offsides for goals for everything like we are at a point now with technology that we shouldn't have to be relying on you know of ref's discretion because thanks to Tim Peel, we have proof that that is not good enough and can well, be completely biased toward like for or against a team or a player. And like I've shown a video of in the past, um, in soccer, there's technology where they can just do like a freeze 3D like and that's a moving line for offside. That's not a stationary fucking static blue line. So they can like freeze it. and Oh, there's the line. And like, see where it is. Oh, that was offside. And here's why. So I just, I don't know. If we're going to take minutes to video review shit every now and then, like, I don't mind you spending 15 seconds to get the call right. If you have to. Especially well, if it's in, in the last minute of the period. Well, and, and speaking of soccer, you can even almost treat it like they do with the offsides, right? Like, continue play continues whatever and then as as it goes along it's being reviewed by someone else and you get the flag up in soccer or in this case you could get a buzzer like okay nope that's got to stop yeah like we have where that rule is kind of in place for goals where if it crosses a line but it comes back out you know they keep playing oh now the goal horn goes off because they're watching it why can't they do that with offsides i don't I, I guess the only thing with offsides is it, it becomes sticky because, and they even talked about this on SiriusXM the other day with Boomer and Jake. I love that show that they have. Um, shout out to them. But um, <laughs> that, you know, it you could technically go in on an offside and essentially play three, four minutes if you could hold on to it for that long. And then have that just completely taken away. Well, like, that's what happened when whoever the Leafs were playing, where there was the puck that went in and it came back out of the net. And I was like, they're playing for nothing for like three or four minutes here. This is all going to get called back. But then it didn't. And that goal just counted or didn't count. And I was like, that definitely fucking went in. But here's here's the picture I took. This was during the intermission when they like show the replay of the goal as it goes to commercial. I'm like. Even here, he's he hits the puck down into the air and he doesn't again touch it until he's like way over the line. Like, but see, to me, that that would be considered control by the NHL standards because it's not his skates, it's his stick. He corralled it to knock it down out of the air and he is positioning himself in a better body position to go in on the breakaway. But by what we've been told having possession means it's on your stick and if it's not it, on your stick you don't have control of it well then you, you that, that would mean that that would mean that there would be so many different there would be so many 
players that are going in offside as they're putting the puck back and forth, the front forehand to backhand, like basically dribbling right with the puck on their way up. If you wanted to get that sticky, if it's not on your stick, you would literally have to have your stick on the ice, pushing the puck going across the line. Like that's that there is care and control with the skill of the players today. If it was called that way, every time I'd agree with you. That's my problem. Um, I just, I'm surprised they didn't challenge it. That's all because we've seen closer ones get called back. This just seemed like it was kind of a given. And uh, I don't know. You win some, you lose some. Uh, let's go to questions. I know I'm a goalie, but I would have rather challenged the goal, the Bernard Darker goal on wall. Yeah. Yeah, because yes, okay, it was Brody's stick, but Brody's stick isn't getting up and spinning wall around if Stutzel isn't skating through him like that. Uh, I think you're going to lose that challenge. To me, that would have been a closer challenge than the offside. At this point, I think Keith is like, I don't want to ruin my perfect record unless it's absolutely 100% coming back. I'm not challenging it. Uh, okay, Benito the Basset Hound. Could we have a couple of blowout games, please? Leafs Nation blood pressure could uh, would be very grateful. Yeah, who do we got coming down the pipe? That we do we have a San Jose game coming up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're until February. And I feel like the Leafs aren't going to blow out San Jose. They're going to blow out like the Rangers or some shit. Like it's going to be someone who shouldn't be. Um, no, Ottawa okay. just did that to the Rangers. Oh yeah, true. Um, next games, Nashville and the Islanders. Neither of them. Well, maybe Nashville. Saros has been garbage. Um, Islanders not going to happen. Rangers, meh. Then we got Columbus, Pittsburgh, Rangers again. Oh, my God. Then Buffalo and Columbus again. So maybe one of these Buffalo or Columbus games coming up. We play the Blue Jackets three times in December. What the hell schedule is that? The schedule this year is just all over the place. Like, I get the time off before and after the Sweden trip, but why have we had so many days off in between these last two games? December is two games against the Senators, three games against the Blue Jackets, two games against the Rangers. Like, what the hell? I don't... Uh, this is so stupid. Whatever. Whatever. Um, and the week of Christmas, they play, like, the 21st, 23rd, 27th, 29th, 30th. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh, fun shit. Well, the Sabres beat the Bruins 3-1 tonight. The Islanders beat the Blue Jackets 7-3 tonight. Ooh. So this is what I mean. I think it'll be the Blue Jackets if we're going to have a blowout game. They've been bad. Nashville beat Tampa 5-1. Line A's out again. Um, Aaron, Easy Lifeguard 79, asks, if Sammy can't go Saturday night, who comes up? Petrozelli or Hildeby? Does Jones start or someone else? I think it's probably... Jones and Sammy, right? Like, yeah. Realistically, Jones will probably be starting with Sammy as your backup, and then and it'll have to go from there. Because I'm just trying to quickly look here. I don't even know if Petrozelli technically has a contract that would make him eligible to play. Um, Hildeby does. I'm just oh, here. He is here. Um, oh no, it looks like he would. Yeah. So it it's 
it's going to be an interesting one to see. But hopefully Sammy's at least well enough to back up. I know they were they were hoping for that timeline anyways. So Fingers crossed. Um, last question here from Luke Mann, Lucas Hainsworth. Is this year going to be an all-in year, or are we going to be in, uh, or are we going to be injury hamstrung and maybe not get there? I mean, last year we were insanely injury hamstrung. Like I was saying before, we had so many goalies and defensemen play last year. I yeah, and still finally won a first round. So I have all the faith in this team weathering out a couple injuries. Um, I think it's becoming more of the norm unfortunately players uh the game's getting faster and players are getting a little uh are getting stronger and you know impacts are harder i think more players are getting hurt than we've seen in the past like looking at fantasy there's a lot of big names down and for long periods of time so yeah i think um they'll be fine at this point we're two points out of second place in our division with two games in hand so yeah Yes, some of the play hasn't been exactly what we wanted, but we've got a better points percentage than Florida and Detroit, who are the two teams directly ahead of us in second and third in the division. So I'm not overly concerned. Like it, it some of the things we're seeing is a little concerning, but I don't I don't see there's as being any chance that we don't make the playoffs. No, and especially now with the confirmation that Klingberg's not playing and having that cap space, like it's not a matter of if, it's when and who. Like we the projected LTIR, burr, 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 burr. I don't know what we're going to end up having like four or five million. So it's going to be something. We just, you know, whether it's an upgrade on defense and forward or just defense, we'll see. But um, I think it's a, an all in kind of year, especially with contracts where they're at. Yeah, it's it's going to be. It's definitely going to be an interesting interesting one, and I wonder if this does add any heat to Willie for re-signing. Like, if you don't have him signed by the trade deadline, do you do something about that, a la Trey Living with Kachuk, or do you ride it out like you did with Goudreau? Yeah. Um, actually, fun fact about Matthew Kachuk, I tweeted out, he has, like, one of the worst shooting percentages in the league right now. He's like 4%, I think. <laughs> Where is it? It's pretty wild, actually. Um, so, Matthew Kachuk on 95 shots on goal. That's the thing. He has one of the most shots in the league. Uh, he only has four goals. So, that's a shooting percentage of 4.2. That is <laughs> insane. Um, one of the only people worse than him is Josh Anderson with a goal on 49 shots. Yeah, Anderson finally tied Tristan Jari, so Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and Trevor Zegris. Uh Brandon Biro on the flip side on uh, I think Buffalo has two shots on goal, two goals, hundred percent shooting percentage. <laughs> no wild. Yeah, it's it's such a weird game. All you, all it takes is for a couple bounces to go your way and something like that can just be astronomically one way or the other. Yeah, and poor uh, Jordan Martinuk has uh, 56 shots on goal and zero goals. <laughs> He's the only one with more than 50 shots and no goals. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it's shooting percentage is such a weird thing because wasn't it Kadri's last year or his second last year where 
he had like this crazy high shooting percentage. Oh yeah. And like Besser's shooting at like 35% right now or something crazy. So it's, it's weird. It's, it's so, it doesn't really mean that much. It's kind of like plus minus where like it can and it can't because like if you're put in a position where you have wide open nets all the time because of the position you play and you're on power plays and whatnot, your shooting percentage is obviously going to be higher than somebody who's, you know, a defenseman that's always firing them at the net, hoping for a deflection. Like some of the guys with the most shots and no goals are all defensemen. So, mm-hmm. um, last thing, uh, a little report from the Toronto sun that because the Jays are so interested in, um, Shohei Otani, Rogers would in turn not renew their NHL broadcast deal, which is interesting because I have been talking about this in the last few episodes of how Rogers is probably not going to want to pay $500 million a year again. And lo and behold, if they're going to pay 500 mil to show Otani, they probably don't care that much about hockey. It's just, it's such a weird scenario because the, the two telecom giants in Canada, they never have to worry about money ever. And they're always laying people off and just it's cost cutting measure after cost cutting measure. service for $300 a month. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually would almost welcome it. Allow someone like Apple or Prime or someone that actually is showing that they care about the quality of the product they're putting out. Yeah, to, part of me is like, in. oh, it'll go back to TSN. I like TSN's broadcast panels more, but I don't want the exact same setup on the other station, you know, on the one without the at the beginning. That hit me the other day. It's the Sports Network and Sportsnet work. <laughs> Their names are the exact same. One has the at the beginning. Are you... F- okay. My point is, I agree with you. Uh, I think and hope that by 2026, when this deal runs out, that somebody else jumps in this space and has something figured out as far as Canadian broadcast. Because, look, I pulled the numbers up a few episodes ago. It's basically on par with what the States is. It's about 625 or 650 mil for the broadcast rights in the States, and it's 500 mil in Canada for Rogers. So it's you know that your audience is about the same which is eh, pretty crazy. <laughs> but if you can get that much of the Canadian population, it's it's a big thing. Like, if you want to corner that market, whether you're Apple or Amazon, like, I know Netflix has historically been like, we don't really care that much about Canada, but, like, I mean, that's like saying you don't really care about getting the state of California on board with something. Like, we're about the size of that. I know people like to say that as a way to make us seem small, but it's kind of crazy to have your company just say, we're not going to operate in California because we don't care about that many people being on board. Like you're able to advertise to all of Canada. If you have everybody on one platform, watching hockey games together, like get people to interact with each other on said platform, you know, like it's just, there's such an opportunity there. I just hope somebody takes advantage of it and it's not fucking bell. Yeah. I, well, on one hand, if it is Bell, they're the TSN owners. So, like you, I've I mean. always preferred TSN over Sportsnet, but neither of them do it exceptionally well. Let's just put it that way. 
yeah, we're still going to have the same regional blackout situation. Like, it's going to take somebody to go to the NHL with a pitch for, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. I know this is what you've done in the past, but here's where things are going. We have this idea. Give us three years at, you know, a billion and a half. We'll do the 500 million a year that Rogers is doing to test this out. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You still have a billion and a half dollars. Like, I feel like somebody's going to invest in it. Like, you can, you got to get there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Future of sports. <laughs> the other thing that uh, on um, on that note, Batman mentioned at the Board of Governors meeting that they've been talking about AI and integration into fan experience and um, ticket stuff. I don't know. We'll see what that actually so means. Now he's going to worry about fan experience? Well, yeah, when you can get a computer to deal with it instead of fucking worrying about it computer won't pay you no but you don't have to pay a computer like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to come up with ideas you just type it into a box that's his favorite he's clearly not paying anybody to come up with ideas at this point <laughs> no exactly oh last thing before we go um speaking of paying people for ideas what's with the ottawa senators and hiring like their person in waiting for jobs without firing the other person so they now have steve steos who's like the uh what do you call it the the mentor to the gm or like the whatever the fuck his position is assistant to the regional manager well it's like um <laughs> yeah and then you've got um what's his name jacques whatever jacques martin was running the lights in the arena tonight did you catch that <laughs> sorry you've i got, had to <laughs> you've, got, you've got jacques martin as like the not coach so it's so, like you've, you've got people above the guys that are currently in the jobs instead of firing somebody and i think it was was Fridge that made this point or maybe it was cj about how um if you're gonna pay two guys by firing one you might as well bring one in to help coach the other one and if it works out then great you're only paying one guy less than a second coach or a second GM, but like, holy shit, like the Sens are just having to hire someone to train the guy that they hired to do the job in the first place. The way the way it's being played out right now by a couple different outlets is that this is what Ann Lauer said he was going to do when he took over, was add to the, the hockey department, be it skills coaches, be it executives whatever it is because they were running such a lean ship for so long that this is the way it's being spun is that you know because it, it and it's not a lie like Jacques Martin is a definitely a knowledgeable player he's been around the game forever so to have him in the fold in any capacity be a coach assistant executive advisor whatever you want to call it like it's only going to help a team but it's just it's fishy considering how the team has played and all the rumblings that rumblings that have been around the team that a former coach that used to coach for you is now in an you know executive slash advisor role and if funny i totally forgot steos is the gm interim gm now because they did actually fire uh, their gm earlier this year um but here's a i type in jacques martin from sports network senator steos says martin hire isn't a threat to anyone's job but well you know, you just 
that's what they said when they hired you. So <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. Uh, so what is current senior advisor to the coaching staff? And wasn't Steos like advisor to the GM? You know, it's it's that advisor role. It's it's if you don't do your job right, it's mine. But in the meantime, I'm I'm like the best partner you could have. But I will take your job if you fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. But like uh, like whoever it was, I'm sorry, I don't remember which one mentioned. Um, it is cheaper to hire. Jacques Martin as a um, uh, whatever that role was. I forget the fucking term already. But then it is to fire <laughs> DJ Smith and, and hire another whole NHL head coach. So fingers crossed the Sens can get their shit together because my god I would love for this team to not have a season full of injuries and drama. The Sens or the Leafs? The Sens. The Leafs, as I say it, I'm like, oh, the Leafs are in a pretty similar position too. I was going to say, but, you can just, you could have just answered yes to that question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd rather have the drama on the ice than off the ice. This is very, very true. Okay. Um, oh, that Borea movie looks pretty cool. Yes, I cannot wait for that to come out. Um, I was seeing the commercials for that um, tonight. I think it said, what, December 20th? So yeah, I'm, I just I'm saw very... that tonight for the first time. Very excited for that. So it, if anybody doesn't know, there's um, a guy who is even an even bigger Leafs fan than I am and definitely has a lot of capital invested in, in hockey memorabilia. And it's not Curtis. His name's Mark Farah. And he's actually got a just incredible collection of game use stuff that they, you know, actually use some of it for this documentary. Because he wow. has some of Salming's jerseys and stuff like that from the get-go. He's always posting stuff on Twitter. Um, he recently had Dave Keon in, like, at his place looking over some of the stuff. Like, he has some of Keon's equipment from when he played. Like, it's just his collection is outstanding. Um, and it, if I remember correctly, I think he actually got to play one of the referees in, in the film or in the the production, whether it's a series or film, whatever it is. That's pretty cool. Um, so he, he shared a lot over like his his access that he had to it when it was going down and then obviously everything that was shared but from sittler and uh, selming and i think mcdonald was there as well when some of the filming was going on but when selming was over here before he passed so it's it's definitely something that i'm really looking forward to watching and if anybody doesn't know some of the history with these players and you're a leaf fan you have to check it out like to understand the impact that he had on this game. Like there's still Swedish players today. Like look at Nylander. Nylander will come right out and say like, yeah, okay, his dad played, but if it wasn't for Selming, like who knows where the Swedes would be. They, they'd be over here, but it like, he was such a trailblazer coming over and, and doing what he did to get to the league and stay in the league was just incredible. Well, yeah, and I mean, you heard when the guys were in Sweden, there was like a red carpet event for this movie coming out or the premiere, and it was like a who's who of hockey stars. So he's important to everybody there, and like there was like not even hockey stars, just Swedish celebrities apparently were at this red carpet. So it's a big deal there. Yeah, the guy got a standing ovation playing for Team Sweden, 
in an exhibition game against Team Canada in the 72 Summit Series. So That's wild. Okay. Uh, sorry, that... sorry that, that was the Canada Cup. I messed that one up. Oh, Galaxy, <laughs> come on, buddy. It was like 16, 17 years before I was born. So, you know. <laughs> we'll give it a pass. All right, we'll catch you uh, Saturday night when the Leafs take on the Nashville Predators and Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen. Oh, my God. Ryan O'Reilly is on pace for like 80 points and 40 goals this year. Right? <laughs> well, I guess that's what happens when you want to live in it and in 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 live anonymously. <laughs> yeah, you just, <laughs> just score goals and have a good time, you know? <laughs> Oh, seriously? <laughs> I was grooving so hard. That's never happened before. Wow, I'm so mad.